Welcome to Surrey Economic Insights, where we sit down with some of the top city building and industry experts to unpack the latest business insights and opportunities affecting fast-growing cities like the City of Surrey in British Columbia, Canada. My name is Stephen Wu, the Manager of Economic Development with the City of Surrey, and today I'd like to welcome Michael Gord, COO of Metaverse Group. They're a virtual real estate company, developer, and property manager all in one. And from what it looks like, trailblazing in this niche sector. It's great to have you join us today, Michael. Hey, Stephen. Pleasure. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your expertise and what you do with the Metaverse Group? For myself, I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. I've been focused on disruptive technologies for my entire professional career. Had the good fortune of being an early adopter of digital assets and blockchain technology. Started the cryptocurrency, then the FinTech Club of McGill University. I started Bitcoin Canada, sat on the board of the Blockchain Association of Canada. It's the first blockchain developer and it's my first client, TD Bank. And they started their entrepreneurial blockchain team. I've worked with other Fortune 500 companies and governments on their blockchain strategy, taken billions of dollars in digital asset public. Now I'm pretty diversified across the digital asset capital market. I also had the good fortune of being at the ETH Waterloo Hackathon in. 2017 or 2018, when CryptoKitties was first introduced. So I've been pretty familiar with NFTs from their inception points on the blockchain. It was really my partner, Jason Cassidy, the co-founder of Metaverse Group, that got me onto the Metaverse, though. And I started to get a portfolio of Metaverse lands two years ago, relatively small, grown to be relatively large. And we decided to kind of securitize our portfolio land into the metaverse group as a way for more institutional investors to get exposure to the metaverse land asset class in an actively managed way with metaverse native individuals. So it's going quite well. Fantastic. And I guess, you know, you mentioned that you did a lot of serial entrepreneurship stuff. And actually, interestingly, you know, you're a Canadian yourself. So that's a that's something that you know to be proud of. How different born is very proud born and raised? There we go. And so how different is it to be dealing with real estate in the metaverse versus in physical reality? So I have no experience really with physical real estate. I am very uh, digitally focused. There are lots of similarities. When we're thinking about buying land in the metaverse, we're thinking about which city do we buy? Do we want to buy in more established cities like like New York or Toronto or Hong Kong, Singapore, or do you want to buy more up-and-coming cities? You can compare a city to a metaverse, essentially. You kind of call it a country or a state, whatever you want. But are we buying in more established metaverses or are we buying more up-and-coming metaverses? Of course, more established metaverses have a higher price per square foot, same as how buying more established cities have a higher price per square foot. There's also, in theory, less potential upside, but lower risk. So there's a trade-off there. And then in the city, are we buying in the downtown region? Are we buying in up-and-coming regions? Are we buying enough land to build a mall or enough land to build an advertisement? All of them are trade-offs with pros and cons. In general, my philosophy is to be diversified and and agnostic. The metaverse is, there's going to be millions of metaverses. Mm -hmm. So it's in our best interest to have exposure to all of them if we can. Of course, there's not enough time in the day to have exposure to every metaverse. So we are generally more focused on blue chip metaverses that already have demands from enterprises mm-hmm. um, that we can monetize faster, prove out, the, prove out our model, generate cash flows from our, from our uh, tenants. Mm-hmm. 
I believe we're the first company in the world and still the only company in the world to actually be monetizing our land, which is kind of cool, with a, a small percentage of our portfolio focused on more experimental metaverses. Just kind of unpacking that because I think you, you kind of um, mentioned quite a few things in that long statement there. So theoretically, I can actually come and buy the virtual version of a piece of land in Surrey. In theory, you can. A lot of people that we talk to that are traditional real estate developers or traditional owners of physical assets want to just own the digital copy of their physical assets. The reality is that if you own a building in the real world, there are metaverses that provide the ownership of land overlaying the physical world. I could buy your land. I could buy your building in that metaverse. It would be owned by me in in that metaverse. And the IP laws there, the property laws are uh, really yet yet to be built. But considering that the metaverse is an exact copy of the real world is, is, a, is a little bit missing the point mm-hmm. because there's an infinite number of, of metaverses that in theory, I could build Surrey, like I could build an exact replica of Surrey on my land. But if I build an exact replica of Surrey on my land, that's still my land. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not Surrey's land, uh, mm-hmm. which it, I mean, it brings up interesting questions. But it's not a case of like, I want to have my building in the metaverse. Well, you can, but that doesn't have value necessarily. What has value is, and the metaverse provides the ability to create impossible builds, like, you know, structures that are not possible to build in the real world. The objective is not to just have your building in, or your, your villa or your, your store as an exact replica. I guess you could. But I could also build your store as an exact replica or your building as an exact replica. And that would be my building in the metaverse. Because I guess in the physical world, like we talked a lot about the developers and whatnot. Right now with this housing crunch, everyone's talking about density bonusing. They want to build higher and more. So, and, and part of that is to raise capital to kind of build their product and be obviously more profitable. Do you see developers not just building higher, but building into the metaverse and offering that in tandem with the physical real estate? And what might that look like? That I think is interesting, but also is difficult. So in theory, it would be nice for, or possible, and keep in mind that there's, there's going to be millions of different metaverses. Each metaverse is going to have a different economics and governance structure and different land economics on their land. Mm-hmm. So there are going to be some metaverses that are a direct copy of the real world where I can actually see Surrey on a map and I can buy plots of land in Surrey or in New York or in Toronto or in Singapore or wherever I want in that metaverse as an artificial reality layer on top of the real world. Mm-hmm. So in theory, a developer would be able to go in and buy ownership of their plots of land in the real world on those metaverses that are a direct copy of earth um, but that's only a only a percentage of metaverses will be a direct copy of earth and if i go in and as as a metaverse real estate developer and i buy that land as an overlay of earth that's my land in the metaverse so i can put nfts or i can put artificial reality experiences 
in your property in the real world in this artificial reality layer. And, you know, that maybe brings up interesting legal questions, but the fact of this matter is that right now that's, that's the case. I can go in and I can buy the Sphinx, the pyramids in Egypt. I can buy the Empire State Building. And those like iconic buildings in these metaverses are perhaps bought already by metaverse entrepreneurs, not wow. by the, not by the real estate developers, not by the owners of the assets necessarily, because the owner of the assets are probably not thinking about the metaverse. Absolutely. Most metaverses and the most famous ones, Decentraland, Sandbox, Song of Space, Crypto Voxels, are not an overlay of the real world. They're an entirely game-like world where I could build the pyramids on my land, or I could build the Sphinx, or I could build the Empire State Building, but it'll look more like a game. Mm-hmm. It won't be an exact replica. And I could do it, I could do whatever I want with my land. And for a developer that wants to, that's, you know, a, a de- someone that's buying farmland and building up building up a thousand homes in those worlds the land is too valuable it doesn't make economic sense actually it's economically impossible to buy enough land to provide a digital replica so in theory it's possible for a developer to do that but in reality in the famous metaverses land's too expensive to do that they would you need to increase the value of homes you need to double the value of homes and the metaverses like Superworld that are a direct overlay of, of the real world, if you're a developer that wants to digitally own your real estate, you got to get into the metaverse right now because otherwise, you know, entrepreneurs like me own your real estate and you can maybe buy it yeah. for us, but you have to buy it from us and I don't really want to sell it. Yeah. So I guess you mentioned like Decentraland, like it, it's more like a game kind of environment. So why are people spending a million bucks on that? Is it to be participating in the game? Like what's the physical economic realization of that? So Decentraland grew from 15,000 users in February last year, 15 monthly active users when it came out in February last month to about a million active users a year later, which is times 40, times 40 growth. Um, if we're super concerned, so I think that growth is going to continue because more and more big brands enter the metaverse. Like we're metaverse fashion week is happening right now. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger is participating. Dolce & Gabbana is participating. Forever 21, which is owned by Authentic Brands Group, one, one of the biggest brand conglomerates in the world, is participating. There's after parties every day with DJs. The growth in Decentraland is only times 10 per year, which sounds like a lot, but it's this disruptive technology and it's the fastest growing technology just about in human history. So right now we're at about a million monthly active users. By the end of next year, we're going to be at 10 million monthly active users. By the end of 2023, we're at 100 million monthly active users. 2024, we're at a billion monthly active users. 2025, we're at every human on earth pretty much is using the metaverse. Wow. Not just one metaverse. There's going to be millions of metaverses. So this is just the future of the internet. Every human on earth will be participating in the metaverse. Every business will be redefined by the metaverse, same as by the internet. It's just the future of the internet, it's the future of computing, it's future technology, future of banking, real estate, finance, telecom, e-commerce. Every industry is going to be is going to move to the metaverse, same as how it moved to the internet and then to mobile, and now it's the metaverse. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is essentially buying pixels of websites when those websites had 25,000 users or 100,000 users or a million users that then continue to grow into... 1 billion daily active users, user websites. So uh, the difference with the metaverse and the internet is that Facebook, when they came to market, they had to sell equity to monetize. Mm -hmm. The equivalent of the metaverse is Facebook, in addition to being able to sell equity, 
being able to sell real estate on their website. So, and us owning real estate on the Facebook website or on the Google website, and then being able to either create brands that we advertise on our own real estate on the Facebook homepage, mm-hmm. or to be able to resell that advertising to other brands that want to get eyeballs from, from the Facebook homepage, in my opinion, is priceless too valuable. So, Mm-hmm. So how do you how would you move from the Facebook metaverse to the decentralized metaverse? Like, is it all going to be streamlined and integrated, or yeah, so will I have to kind of go through? Yeah. Facebook is private. Facebook, is, in my opinion, is is building in the wrong side of history. When the internet first came out, there were a lot of smart people building on private intranets, thinking that intranets were going to be mm-hmm. the future of, in, of the internet. And of course, the reality is that the future of the internet is public and that the global mm-hmm. community is always more intelligent, more thoughtful, more creative than a single corporation could ever be. It doesn't matter how big or how powerful that corporation is. Same thing with the blockchain. In 2012, the smart people were investing billions of dollars into creating private blockchains. And the private blockchain market and the private intranet market is billions of dollars per year, but it has not accrued trillions of dollars of value like the public blockchain or the public mm-hmm. internet has. Metaverse is the same thing. So right now, Facebook is building private metaverse infrastructure, which is going to be a multi-billion dollar per year business for Facebook mm-hmm. or just in the general the general market. But it's not going to accrue multi-trillion dollars like the public metaverse will, in my opinion. After you, I'm going to be speaking with the city of Seoul, who's going to be developing their own municipal metaverse. Do you see cities getting into the space and actually using the metaverse to actually um, maybe increase funding um, for you know the physical world? I see cat food companies getting into the metaverse. Okay. I see pet stores getting into the metaverse. I see sock companies creating sock metaverses. I see sports <laughs> teams creating sports metaverses. I see rabbit. It's the internet. We could have mm-hmm. been talking about the internet in in 1990, talking mm-hmm. about you know, there's there's four big websites and there's there's 20 other, 20, 30 other websites, 50 other websites that are being created up and coming. Um, and I could have been, you know, the crazy internet entrepreneur saying that cats.com is going to be a billionaire business and rabbits.com, billionaire business. Actually, catfood.com, centi-million dollar mm-hmm. business. Dubaitourism.com, big business. Dubai.com, big business. Shirts.com, big business. Taylor.com, big business. It's going to be a billion big businesses created from the internet just because when the internet had 1 million users monthly, yeah. there was no user base on the internet. There was no ability to drive revenue from the internet. Yeah. But when the internet went from a million monthly active users to a billion daily active users, mm-hmm. the potential to create enormous ROI from your internet exposure was you know, quite high. So that's going to happen with the metaverse. It's just going to happen a lot faster than it did with the internet because now we have the internet to share information globally faster. So if I do have like a cat food company or a pet food company who wants to get involved with the metaverse, do they call you or how do they get involved? If they're big, I'm happy to help them if they're serious. Yes. So the, I mean, the thing about it's all networks, right? If you're a cat yes. food company and you create catfood.com, that will have value for you and for your audience. Mm-hmm. But Goldman Sachs might not want to advertise on catfood.com because that's not where their, mm-hmm. their audience is. Maybe mm-hmm. cat food companies might want to advertise on catfood.com. So mm-hmm. it's the same as if you're creating a cat metaverse, which mm-hmm. will exist, guaranteed. 
there will actually be probably a hundred, probably a thousand cat metaverses. The same as how there's a thousand cat websites. You know, you could type in cat.com, cats.com, catcanada.com, catfood.com, catstore.com. All of them could be big. You know, catstore.com is probably a $17 million business just because catstore.com is a good domain. It's a good domain. So there will be thousand cat food meta- core cat metaverses. And if you're a big cat food company, you might want to advertise into in all of them. But Brookfield might not want to buy land in mm-hmm. a cat food metaverse because their audience is not cat food buyers. Mm-hmm. But how do you differentiate yourself? You mentioned, you know, there might be hundreds or thousands of these metaverses. What's the method of differentiating? Because if you're a digital business right now, yeah, you use Google Ads. Same with the internet. Oh, you, you, yeah. you can use Google Ads for the metaverse too. If you're a cat food okay. metaverse, then you might want to uh, bring your ecosystem of, you might want to have like a, you know, a cat shelter company in your metaverse. You might want to have maybe dog food as well. You might want to have dogs in your, in your maybe, maybe you have games where cats and dogs can play together. Um, maybe then you have jungle cats as part of your metaverse. You know, you, you tell me I'm not <laughs> in the cat fun. food business. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just like using yeah. a ridiculous example to demonstrate how cat food metaverse, that yes. if, if you have millions of users in your metaverse, mm-hmm. then cat food metaverse could be a huge business. Same as how catfood.com, if you have millions of users, could be big business. <laughs> I, I, I'm not in the cat food business. I'm in the real estate business in the metaverse. Yes. Disruptive entrepreneur. I'm not a cat food entrepreneur. Yes. But a cat food metaverse could be huge. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Michael. I know that you're in Dubai right now and always on the road, but uh, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us and sharing your insights today. Happy to. My pleasure. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, I hope you have a good rest of your day and thank you so much for joining us. Awesome. Rock on, everyone. Thank you, our listeners, for tuning into Surrey Economic Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a rating and review. Don't forget to share this with others as well. And follow us on LinkedIn if you'd like to catch the next episode as soon as it's released. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you.